How spoilt are we? So welcome. Thank you for coming. I know it was a little bit, I thought, how did we plan this? Like a camp, we were away the whole weekend. <laughs> and we're surviving in the storm. <laughs> we did survive. Some of us survived better than others. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then we come back and we dry out all our stuff and there we go. We're meeting again. But thank you for making it a priority and thank you for being here. It is an important night because Jesus does want to build into us and he does want to make us more like him. And, and so who wouldn't want to be here? <laughs> How spoiled are we that we get to come and be here? So why do we do this? Why do we get together as ladies? For some ladies, that's an easy thing to do. Some ladies would never miss ladies getting together. Like who wouldn't want to be with the ladies? For others, why are we doing this? Why? What's the point? Why do I have to come out? Why do we have to be together? And really the heart behind it, the reason why we do it is because of Titus chapter 2. And who knows what it says there? See, this is why we must talk about this stuff. There we go. Renee, say it loud. <laughs> Let me read it. It's beautiful. Um, it gives instructions to different groups of people in the church. And it says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not slight. Am I reading the right chapter? Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So teach the older women to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure. It's not just for the married women, because all of us need to be self-controlled and pure. So don't panic if you don't have a husband or children to love. You're not excluded. <laughs> to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the Word of God. So why are we getting together? Because the Bible, he basically commands the women to teach one another, to be reverent and to be more like Jesus. And to do that, we need lots of opportunities. So that's why we do it. What we do as we do that and how we do it is going to look different at different times. Sometimes it's Jamie inviting someone for coffee. Sometimes it's your comm ladies going for a walk on the beach together. Who did that? There were a couple of comms that did that recently. I was jealous. <laughs> I saw the photos. I was jealous. Maybe it's having supper together as women. Maybe it's going camping together and surviving a storm together, waking up the next morning and still being okay. It can look like a lot of different things. And one of the things it looks like is when we gather together like this and we ask one of us, or actually Jesus asks one of us to share. So it's beautiful. Tonight, Lauren is going to share. And she said on the way to coffee, before I said, I think you need to share, she said, Jesus said to her in the car, Nikki's going to ask you to share. 
<laughs> and then we were just chatting. And as she was chatting, as she was speaking, I just felt God's favor in what she was saying. And I said, Lars, I think you need to share. I think you need to share. I think you need to prepare. And Kanye still said she was so like calm. She was just like, yeah, okay. But Jesus had already told her that she was going to share tonight. So that's what it looks like tonight. And that's how it's going to look tonight. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful that Jesus wants to build into us. So to start off, I want to build your faith, that there's a reason why we're here. We're not just filling up your calendar. This is not to fill up your social life. <laughs> this is not to make you exceptionally busy. But this is something we see that's biblical that Jesus has asked us to do, and that if we're faithful in doing it, that he builds us together, and he makes us look more like him. And that's what we want. So yay, we're here now to do that. Night, I felt like as Lauren was going to speak, Jesus was going to be tipping cement into our foundations. So I don't know if any of you have ever been on a building site when that cement machine is turning round and round and round, and then they eventually pour that cement. We did many years ago, we did build a house, and we tried to save money in as many different ways as we could. So one of the things we did was we collected a whole lot of our friends that were brave enough from church, and we dug the foundations ourselves. And <laughs> with those friends, we mixed the cement, and we poured the cement. We have witnesses, Monet van der Waals, who comes and visits from Muscle Bay every now and again. He was one of those friends. And I felt like as Lauren spoke, the words that she speaks will be like that cement tipping into our foundations. And it's more than just my foundations, it's our foundations, it's how we are building together and how we as Joshua Generation George are going to represent the Father and um, look like he wants us to look like together. And then there was a second part, so that's the first part, and we're going to have Lauren share first, so we're diving right in. We're not going to have worship to settle our hearts and <laughs> kind of find ourselves with Jesus before he speaks. We're going to dive right into that. I'm going to let Lauren share first. And I want to ask you to give her all the time that she needs. Don't switch off if she goes too long. We were trying to work out how long has it been since Lauren spoke in public. She might get up here and be so calm, cool, and collected. It looks like she's done it every night of the week. But she might get up here and take her time to find the right words. And that's why we're here. Because we want what Jesus has put in Lauren to be poured out over us. And we want to take that home with us. So I want to ask you now to make that decision, to give her the grace to take all the time she needs. Otherwise, we'll call you back tomorrow night and the night after and the night after. No, we've got tonight, and we're going to let her speak all the words that Jesus has given her. And then when she's finished speaking, I felt, I phoned Kanye yesterday. And I could hear she was driving. So I was like, oh, I must have phoned you back. You're driving. And she said, no, 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 no. I'm just on my way to the tip. And from the time, she said, hashtag farmer's wife. So she was taking the rubbish to the rubbish tip. And that phrase kept ringing in my head, um, take a trip to the tip. And I feel like after Lauren has spoken, that some of us might need to take a trip to the tip. And I'm going to ask you to just dump the stuff and look away and move on. Don't try and sort through the rubbish. Don't try and figure out where it comes from or how it ended up in your house. Don't try and find a place for it. Don't try and figure out who it actually belongs to. 
and who put it there in the first place or why you have it, just take a trip to the tip and then get busy with the stuff that Lauren has spoken about. She's going to be speaking furniture into your homes, the things that belong in the rooms. She's going to go into each room of your house and she's going to be speaking about the things that Jesus wants you to focus on. Don't focus on the stuff that needs to go to the tip. Take a trip to the tip. Drop it and we're going to worship and then you're going to find Jesus. And there may be some of you that do feel like you need prayer. But I want you to first go to Jesus because we really felt as we prepared and as we prayed about tonight, we felt like he's going to come supernaturally and he wants to touch you. He wants to get his fingers into your heart. But I'm pleading with you, don't focus on the rubbish. Drop it at the tip. Just focus on the stuff that he's putting in your house. The new stuff, if there is new stuff, or the old stuff that you've not looked at or used in a while because you're so busy with the rubbish, just dump it. And then go sit on the furniture that belongs there and use the stuff that belongs there and get busy with the things that he's put in your house. So with that, I'm going to ask Lauren to come up. <laughs> so Lauren has been an elder's wife since forever. Two thousand and two. Two thousand and two. Twenty years. As long as I've been married, she's been an elder's wife. So that means that she's lived sacrificially for the bride of Christ forever. <laughs> Which is wonderful. Wonderful. I've known Lauren since twenty ten. And we were on an eldership team in Muscle Bay together. And we've been here together now for the last five years. And we have walked through some Pretty wild, exciting, fruitful, God-amazing times. And we've been through some rough stuff. And some of you might not know it, but I actually did make Lauren cry once. And she's still standing. <laughs> I, thought, I thought to share it before I saw it. <laughs> I did make her cry once. So it hasn't always been easy, but we've never walked away from each other. And what I thought about Lauren, I was, when I thought about that, that time, I thought... I know it's probably the only time I know about, maybe, that I've made her cry. There might be many more. But there have also been many joyous, joyous moments. And what I thought of to share about Lauren before she shares tonight, there's, in Hebrews 12, there's a scripture that talks about enduring hardship. We know it. Endure hardship. We, we know the scripture, but when it gets hard, then most of our, like, I'm out of here, like, it either fixes itself or I'm finding something new. So we don't all endure when the hardship comes. But Lauren has endured when hardship comes. And so the lady who's speaking to you tonight is a resilient lady in Jesus. And I want to pray that as she speaks, that resilience flows over into us, that resilience is put into the cement of our foundations, and that as Jesus puts each one of us together to build the wall of the house that he's building here in George, that it would be built on resilience, that all of us would be resilient and have stickability in Jesus' name. Amen. Here it goes. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing how um, God starts preparing and dropping seeds in your, in your heart just through conversations over the past few weeks. 
And um, we were just chatting as ladies, and, and I was just saying, you know, just really feeling like um, to talk on what do godly friendships look like? How do we build godly friendships? Because if you look at the face of the church here, there are many new people. Many of you are new. Many of us have been here, or well, not many of us have been here for a while, but many of you are, are facing things. You've come, anyway, I'll get into that just now, but I just felt like um, just to share on what, what is it to build godly friendships. And I really believe, I'm so excited this last weekend that um, we had the camp. It was hard for some of us. Some of us couldn't be there, so there's no, um, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but I really believe it was a significant weekend of God starting friendships in our lives, starting to build. You know, when you, you're standing in someone else's tent, you don't know them, and you're holding buckets, and you sweep, you know, it's, it, it builds something that much quicker than, yeah. So, it, this weekend was amazing. It really was amazing, and, and God has already started these things. So, I'm very excited about that. Um, Justin George is about, I'm going to say about six years old, and, but in my eyes, it's actually still quite a young congregation. You know, um, if you take two years out of that, of COVID, those two years were hard years of building, but we've built well. I'm not saying we didn't, but it's, it was hard to build in those times, but we're in a season of building deeper. And um, as I'm starting to meet quite a lot of you, you know, a lot of you have come from Joburg, Pretoria, you've come from other cities, you've come from other uh, churches, you've come, you've left behind friendships. I know, I've been there. You've left things, those things behind, and sometimes there's that longing to go back to that. Sometimes there's that, that it's difficult to let go of that, because that was so good, but God has now put you here. And so that's, that is what God is wanting to build in us, here and now. And um, so one of the ladies in one of the comms that um, I was visiting about two weeks ago, she was sharing so beautifully on Jonathan and the armor bearer. And um, there was a, a passage that she read, and, and it says there, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. And that just jumped up at me, heart and soul, this armor bearer, this Jonathan, these two, two men facing an army, killing off 20 people on their own, he is with him, heart and soul, and that to me is such a beautiful picture of friends, um, of, of where we're at, and she even asked the question, what, who is your armor bearer, um, who has your back? And we were throwing things out and, and, and saying, you know, what we th thought, what we felt. But, you know, I really, really believe that we are all one another's armor bearers. We're all there linking arms, covering one another, facing forward, facing the enemy together. And um, so this picture of this army came to mind, um, and I, I know we've, we've shared it many times, but one of the, one of the pictures of the church is that it's, an army, and as I've been meditating on this army, and I've been thinking, well, here you've got a troop of soldiers that come together, because that's, that's an army. This troop doesn't go, ah, oh, I pick you, 
I pick you, I like you, we get on well, come let's, let's form a troop and let's go together. We don't get to do that. Who calls it? God calls it. God has called you guys here. We are the troop in the sense. And um, the other picture I felt is because, so this troop doesn't come together in the unity of similarities. Okay? They come together in the unity of faith, or the unity of one commanding officer, and that's Jesus. And as we, armor bearer, linking arms, going forward, eyes on Jesus, eyes on this commanding officer, going forward, we don't actually care that we might be a little bit different here or there, but we are heading forward, and our eyes, we are focused on what Jesus wants us to do. And um, so that was really quite a revelation for me, that we don't get to choose who's in our troop here. We are here. The other picture is obviously a family. So I'll be touching on some of those things. So um, Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 6. I'm just going to read this one for you and then get it started. It says there, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And I love the word urge you. It's not like, I think it's a good idea. It's, I urge you. It's important. I urge you to live this life worthy of the calling. Are we living our life worthy of the calling? The other part is, it's a calling. God has called us. It's not just, it's, like, it's a good place to be. God has called us here. We have purpose here. And, um, and, and it's a supernatural calling that God calls us to. This family says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And it makes me think, why would Paul say, you must be humble, you must be gentle, because it's not always easy. It's not natural. We're human, we flesh, we've got, you know, self, we've got you know, we, it's, it's not a natural thing, but he's saying, do this. You're called. It's a supernatural thing. Be humble. It's almost like a command. Do this. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. And, um, yeah, it's, it's flesh. Our flesh gets in the way. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, one commanding officer. That is who we are to fix our eyes on. We link our arms and we go forward together. So um, the scripture that I had been feeling for quite a while, a nice long passage, but it would take us five days to get through it. So I've just taken two of the verses and I'm basing this, I've got five points tonight. And I'm basing it on Romans 12, verse 9 and 10. So if you can put that up, please. And I'll just read it through. We'll go through it. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. So out of that, I've got about five points. And just so you know, in Romans, up to Romans 12, you've got Paul speaking to the Roman church, and he's saying to them, 
um, he's addressing them and saying, this is the transforming power. Now you save. Now you're Christians. You've got this transforming power. Renew your mind. This is, this is what you've got. Now that you've got it, I want you to walk like this. I want you to behave like this. I want you to reflect this. And it's these points. So my first point is love. <laughs> love is built. Uh, friendship is built on agape love. That word there, love, is the agape love. And agape love is, actually means a selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. Just take the word selfless, less of self. Unconditional, no conditions attached. Sacrificial, laying down your life. So in Mark 12, I haven't asked you to put this up, but I'll, you, I'm sure you'll know it. Mark 12, 30 to 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, your strength. It's a command. Okay? And then the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, I think many of us will take that and we'll go, I first must le learn to love myself. And when I love myself, then I can love my neighbor. And Jesus is not saying that at all. He's actually, firstly, he's commanding us. And as I know and I experience the love of the Father, as I'm rooted and grounded and established in him, and I'm loving him, the overflow is I'm loving my neighbor, not myself. He's presuming here, he's actually saying here, the same attention you give yourself, because we all love ourselves to a degree. We all adorn ourselves. We all go to the hairdresser. We all maybe like our nails done all nicely, or we go to a spa. Or we all do that. So that's natural. We naturally do those things. So we actually all naturally love ourselves. And Jesus is saying, in the same way you naturally love yourself, you are to supernaturally love others. You're supernaturally diverting that love to others. So I will lavish and adorn and I'll lay down my life. And that is how I'm to treat you guys. And remember, this is a command. Jesus is saying, it's a command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you are to have a selfless love, not me, it's him, it's you. The opposite is selfish love. What does that look like? Um, the Bible actually says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves. In the end times, people will be lovers of themselves. And we're living in that day and age. And because we love ourselves, or because people love themselves, they will be lovers of money. They will be boastful. They will be arrogant, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, all the yucky things. When we're putting self first, this is how, this is what comes out, all the yucky stuff. And so Jesus is saying, no, not that. Love him. Love your neighbor. So we are not, friendships are not selfish. Friendships are selfless. It's that agape love. It's, it's laying down your life. 
The enemy of this love is not hate. I think you've heard Benny say that. The enemy of this love and unity is not hate. It's self-love. That's our enemy. When we love ourselves too much, when it's all about me, my wants, my needs, my desires, putting me above those things, then that becomes the enemy of this love. So God calls us as to be friends, this friendship love, to be rooted and grounded in his love, this agape love. It's hard. It's difficult. We cannot do it in the natural. We can only do it in God, and we can only do it with his spirit. That's why we need him. We need him so much. Okay, then we have um, in verse 9, so back to Romans 12, verse 9, it says, love must be sincere. And in some versions, like the New King James, it will say love is without hypocrisy. So the word sincere is the opposite to the word insincere. Insincere means to be a hypocrite, hypocrisy. So what does that look like? Um, So he's addressing insincerity here. Love must be uh, without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy literally means to give a false appearance, to act one way but be another way, you know, to pretend you like this, but you're actually like that. To say you're feeling okay when you're actually not feeling okay. Um, and in my eyes, sometimes that's what you call lies. Um, Judas is a classic example with Jesus. And um, someone once said it, his love for Jesus, so Jesus was the one who betrayed I mean, Judas betrayed Jesus at the cross. It says, it feigned affection. It looked all affectionate. And he kissed, even kisses Jesus, you know. It feigned affection, but was filled with hate. Wow, that's quite, that's quite something. It was destructive. It destroyed him. Um, he wanted power. He wanted recognition. He wanted position. He wanted money. Because of that hypocrisy, he was so false. And how did it end for him? Um, so the opposite of hypocrisy and sincerity is the word sincere. And I love this. I came across this a while ago. The word sincere is a Latin word that means it's broken up sin and sera. And the word sin means without. And sera means with wax. So without wax. Okay, so in the Roman days, you've got the potteries, the, the guys who make the pottery and, the, and they sell the pots and the cups and whatever they have. And um, the Roman Empire would come along and inspect. They would come into the stores and they would inspect the pottery, the pots. And if they found cracks, they would throw it away. And that would mean losing business. Um, so, so you had many people who would just take that pot, wax it up, shine it up, fill in the holes, put it on the shelf, and sell it and get rich. And then the person would buy it. They would go home. A few days later, the, the, max, the wax would melt, and they filled it up. What happened? They just leaked. 
And so he's actually using this as the analogy here. Love must be sincere, must be without wax. So you had the potters, the honest ones, whatever you call them, who would actually have a sign on their door to say, sincerous, meaning you can come into my shop, you can buy what I have here, and you'll get what you're getting, and it's going to be real, and there's not going to be wax on it, and it's not going to crack, and it's, it's, it's the real deal. And so God is here, Paul is saying, that's how our love must look. It's sincere. It's without wax. So, do we have cracks? We all have cracks. We all have cracks. We all have insecurities, weaknesses, things that we might be ashamed of. And sometimes we want to wax it up. And we want to hide it. And we don't want people to know. And we want to pretend. And God and God, God's saying, uh-uh, it's okay. You can let the cracks show. It's okay. Rather let the cracks show. Rather be sincere than be insincere. Um, Paul actually writes um, in 1 Timothy, you don't have to go there, 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, but the goal of, his, of our instruction is love from a pure heart. There's the word pure, sincere. Love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So it's really, um, it's really emphasizing this sincerity. Are we sincere with one another? Are we real? How are we when we come under pressure with our friends? Are we, do we back off? Do we forgive? Do we run over there and gossip? How are we in those pressured situations? Are we still being sincere? Or are we putting on a wax face and ignoring it? So that will lead me to the next point. But before I go there, I've been really just meditating on this thing of, of hypocrisy. And it's a big word. It's a strong word. And just looking at my own life and feeling like where, like saying, God, where in my life could I have been hypocritical or insincere? Where in my life? Um, so as some of the girls heard, in my 20s, <laughs> No, I had a, a lovely group of friends, really, you know, going through the 20s, you go through college, you go to overseas, you travel together, you teach together, you go to each other's weddings, you, you, we, did, we did a lot of things together for a good six, seven years, and then I get married, and I move away, and I move far away, and I miss those friends. I longed for those friends. I ached for those friends. And I thought, I'm never going to have friends like them again. And I put on this wax. And I would go into church, and I would start believing a lie. Those are my friends. Those are my friends. These are not my friends. I can't be real with these people. I can't. They're too busy. Or I, 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 maybe I'm going to burden them with something, and they don't have time for it. The lies. Um, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to have friends like I have there. Those are my friends. And you start living like you're living a lie. And I'm hypocritical. So let's say someone comes up to me and they go, so how are you doing? Now I'm feeling like this inside. How are you doing? No, I'm fine. I'm great. Isn't that covering up? 
Isn't that putting on the wax and pretending? So, you know, I've, I've and many times, I'll say many times, I've gone and I've gone into my sulky pity party and I've gone, I don't have friends. I don't have friends here. And it's such a lie. It's such a lie because I have many friends here. And I'll go into that a bit later. So, um, so building godly friendships can only be built on God's love, agape love, loving your neighbor, being sincere, being real. And the third point is friends speak the truth in love and cling faithfully to one another. So the scripture for verse 9 says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So here it says, if you love God, you will hate evil. Okay, now we all hate evil. I believe we all hate evil. Why do we hate it? Well, it stains. It destroys. It destructs. It separates. We know those things. And some versions, it'll say it abhor what is evil. That means continuously, constantly hate what is evil. So it's a constant thing. Constantly maybe recognizing it, hating it, and fleeing from it. But now, how do we bring this into a friendship context? My sister or friend is has a blind spot or has something in her life that I feel it might be a bit offline or, or that, that I feel needs to be confronted. Do I stand back and watch it happen? Or do I go in there and do I confront it? Because remember, we're confronting in love. Do I confront it? Do I address it? Do I rebuke it? Sometimes we need each other to, we need someone to rebuke something in our lives. Ouch. We don't like those ones. Do we correct it? Do we challenge it? And you know, we've got to get to the place where we see that this sin, let's call it sin, in, is so destructive that I know my sister is heading to a worse place if she carries on in that thing. And I, I hate that thing so much that I want to jump in there and I want to pull her out of the fire. That's how we need to be with one another. Don't stand back and let it just happen. You get in there and you confront it. And this is the hard part. How do you react? Because we can either reject it or we can embrace it. So here's two stories. Nikki. Um, 2010, hey, <laughs> many years ago, there was um, something in, in my marriage, something that was, had happened in my marriage, and I could justify it completely, um, what, what was happening. I'd, uh, I'd had Connor, and I was quite very depressed, and I don't know if I need to go into details, but anyway, I was doing, uh, taking some I go into detail. I I was very depressed after having Connor, and it was my second child, and I just wasn't coping. And one of the ladies in the church came to me, and she said, "I see you really struggling. It was great. It was wonderful. Why don't you just go to the doctor, take some, take an antidepressant, take it?" And I went, "No, I can't. 
my husband won't agree with it. And she says, just do it. You need it. Now, it all sounds good. And I did need it. It sounds good. But what did I do? I went behind my husband's back. I went to the doctor. I got those tablets. And they were light. They were light. It wasn't, it wasn't major. But it was light. And it did help me cope. But my husband never knew. And Nikki found out. Nikki came. She sat me down. And she said, this thing is wrong. This thing can cause a distraction in your marriage. This thing will destroy something in your marriage. Or it will start to bear fruit in other ways. It was ugly. It was ugly. And at first, I, want, I cried. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. But you don't understand. I was like this, and he was like that. You don't understand. She said, no, it's wrong. She rebuked me. And I had to, in that moment, it took me a little while, but I had to go before the Father and repent. I had to go to my husband. And he wasn't happy. He didn't. He didn't like it. But I had to get it out in the open. But, you know, I would probably still be living with that today if Nikki hadn't come to me and addressed that thing, pointed it out, rebuked it. It was Aina. Why did she do that? Because she wants to see me come into the maturity in Christ. She wants to see me living in freedom in Christ and could see this thing was going to trip me up, trip up our marriage. So I took it, and I do believe I'm mature for it, and I can testify. Then I had another friend, a um, younger girl in our old congregation, and we walked many years with her, the all-nighters, the counseling, the, um, yeah, all those things, the sleepless nights, the uh, Sunday evenings, you know, and, and we walked uh, quite, a, quite a long time with this, this friend. I say we, it was Benny and I, and she would keep coming to the cliff face. She would keep falling into sin or going or flirting with it and coming near it. And, you know, we could, we could have come in soft and said, oh, it's okay. I see that you've done it again. Come, we'll hold you back. We didn't do that. We went in and we said, my girl, if you don't pull yourself away from this cliff, you're going to fall. You're going to die. You're going to be separated from God. I mean, it's harsh. She didn't like it. She didn't listen and she didn't respond. She chose not to. She chose to walk away. And her marriage broke up. So that for me was incredible. It took me years to, to, come, to overcome that. Why did we want to say that? Because we could see where she was heading. And we wanted to snatch her out of the grip of the enemy. She was in the enemy's grip. And as a friend, we wanted her to come out. And she didn't. And I still pray for her to this day. That she will come back to the Lord. So, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I love the word cling because it means cling, hold on tight, stand next to, stick together, join. Um, and there's the picture again of the so soldier, the Jonathan and the armor bearer, heart and soul, stick together. Naomi and Ruth in the Bible, if you know the story, 
I won't go into it, but it came a point where Naomi said to Ruth, you go your way, I'll go my way. And Ruth said, uh-uh, you're my family. I will stick with you. I will cling to you to the end. And they went through hardships. They lost sons. They lost, you know, it was hard. She left her land. I'm, I'm not saying we have to leave our land. But the point is, they were so, she was so faithful to Naomi and clung to her through the hardships to the end. And for me, that is such a beautiful Beautiful picture of friendships sticking together. Friendships, love always trusts. I have heard people say, I can only, um, I can only start trusting until I know the person and I've built a trust. And I, I I tend, to, I tend to disagree with that because God is saying, love always trusts. Love always trusts. I'll read the scripture just now. And I think, I think sometimes that thing trips us up. We go, I'm going to sit in my little bubble because I've been hurt. I've had bad friendships. I've had bad experiences. People have hurt me. And I'm just going to sit here. And when I see I can trust, then I'll start opening up. And I believe that's what the enemy wants. Because he wants to keep us isolated. He wants to keep us in our bubbles. He wants to keep us as we are. Um, so there was a scripture that I wanted to read. Um, Ephesians 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Sorry, I just jumped back. I just felt that was an important scripture. Because when in friendships, we are there to help each other come into the maturity of God. Sorry, I just, I did jump that back, but I just wanted to stress that thing. Ephesians 4, verse 15. That was, instead speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. So, sorry, I did jump back there, but I did feel that one was important. Nikki has spoken to my life to help me come into more maturity. If we leave somebody as they are, they're not going to mature. They're not going to grow. They're going to stay as they are. Okay. Sorry, let's go back here. Friendships cling to one another. Um, they always trust. I felt like this was something that we needed to take to the dumps. I felt like... For many ladies, we've all had friends. We've all experienced maybe bad friendships. We've all maybe been hurt. And we've all maybe in some way go, I can't trust. I just can't trust. I just can't do it. I need to learn to let my guard down and take small steps. But I really feel like it's something that God wants to say. But love always trusts. Love, agape love always trusts. So if it's something that you feel like God is just, just touching on your heart, as Nikki says, take it to the dumps. Because I think it's a lie. It's the very thing that's going to keep you separated from, from one another. Okay. Friendships, we cling together. I just put in a few practical tips here. They listen well. 
friends listen well. I think friends don't always have to have the solutions and the help them solve the problems and give them the steps on the how to and the how not to. I think what's more valuable than any of that is someone who listens. They go away and they pray and they come back and they say, how is that thing? Friends ask the right questions. They don't go, Barbara, how are you today? Okay, but I'm not going to get as great a response as, Barbara, how are you after we prayed for you on Wednesday night? You know, I've been praying for you and I felt this scripture for you. Isn't that more intentional? I've listened. I've maybe gone away. I've prayed and I've followed up. And I think that's something that we can actually just sharpen. Sharpen that thing. Um, we, we are selfish, naturally selfish beings, so we go back into our little huddle and our little world. Sometimes we forget those things, and I forget those things. So practically, what I do, is I go home and I write in my journal, prayed for so-and-so, prayed for this. Follow up in a week, send it, whatever. Just very practical, you know, because I will forget. And I, forgive me if I forget. But I just feel um, that that is a friendship that's clinging close, that's intentional, listening, not always having the solutions, following up. I think those things are really important. Sometimes it's very brave for someone to say, please pray for me for this. That's brave. That's taking off the wax. Okay? And um, so I think let's be faithful in that and aware of that with one another. Okay, point number four. Friends are devoted to one another in a filia or brotherly love. So where that scripture started, spoke of love, must be sincere, that's agape love. That's the selfless love, the sacrificial love, the laying down your life love. Now they're using the word filia love which literally means a brotherly love. And some of the versions actually word it like this, love one another with brotherly affection. Be kindly affectionate to one another with a brotherly love. So the word devoted means to lovingly, loyally, truthfully be devoted to Okay, so there's, there's your clinging again. I'm devoted to you. I'm loving you. Loyal. I'm loyal. There's faithfulness. There's truth there. So this love, called filial love, is a brotherly love. And there, that speaks quite clearly of a family love. Brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children. It's family. And it's this love is... Now, going to a step closer. It's now saying, I care for you. It's showing an affection. Um, the word actually means to care, to be tender, heartfelt, considerate, compassionate, to become a confidant. And it moves now from just an acquaintance, just, just knowing you, to now, Caring for you, loving you, 
affection. It's just, there's an affection. It's, it's, like, it's just it's beautiful. Okay, so James 4 verse 4. Some of us might not like this one. It says, for having friendships, now I, I need to qualify this, so just listen to me first. Having friendships with the world, the scripture actually says this, James 4 verse 4. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Okay, so the word friendship with the world is saying, filial love, my care and my affection and my attention is now with people in the world and God, and he's saying, you adulterous people. So, are we not friends with people in the world? Can we be friends with people in the world? Yes, we can. We can, because we need to, we need to win people for Christ. So you can, but where my attention and my focus and um, where I am, what's the word? In, your intentional is to be with these ladies, with, with you. That's where my calling is, to be intentional, to build with you guys. I can have those friends, but maybe, here's an, here's an example, uh, a camp comes up, and I, that really I don't, I don't want to bring condemnation, but I just want you to think about these things. Camp comes up, and my best friend comes to visit from Durban on the same weekend. Where am I building intentionally? My responsibility, my affection is actually here. It's, it's hard to say. <laughs> so do I choose that to go away with that, that friend? Or do I go, this is the family that God's called me to. These are my people. This is who I'm devoted to. And Sadly, in this situation, that is where I need to devote my time. So it gets tricky, but it's God's calling us to build here. Okay. I'm not called to build with those friends in Urban anymore. They're there. They're my friends. I love them, but my relationship with them is a bit different. They don't know the nitty-gritty and the ins and outs of my life now. You guys get to know that. You guys get to walk that. So I can be friends, but where am I intentionally building? It's here. Okay. So this word, filial love, is also, it's a family word. When you hear it's family, it's you care, you, um, there's compassion, there's taking one another meals. And I do want to say, we do this incredibly well. But I want to say to the new people, Jump on board and do it. Don't wait for someone to do it, to ask you. Just get in there. Just do it. Take a meal to someone when someone is sick or someone's been to hospital. Get in there. Just do it. We're not going to frown on you for doing it. Um, think. Uh, they're sick. They need to go to the shops. Go to the shops for them. Take their meals. Go camping together. Do stuff together. Um, invite people for meals. 
And I want to say again, um, calm leaders, calm, you are modeling this and you're modeling it well. But now to the rest of you, jump in and just do it. Don't, don't wait for the invite. Just go, come to my house. I want to get to know you better. Come to my house. Let's have a meal. And it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. It doesn't even have to be a meal. Sometimes it can be coffee. Okay? But, but get in. Jump on board and do these things. It blesses one another. It builds. Um, take meals. Offer to babysit. Especially the mommies with the little kids. Um, there are many, many different ways. Go for walks, come walks that are called together, whatever. Do those things. Now, this is my other little testimony that uh, well, I'll, I'll keep it short, but for those many of you who were here at the time, a year and a half ago, my mom passed away, and my dad at the same time had a stroke. So he was in hospital, my mom passed away, my dad, so my world went absolutely upside down, inside out, didn't know which way to turn, where to go, where to begin, where to end. It was a bit of a mess. And there were about, if I remember, 10 to 12 of these ladies here who just came around me. They said, I'll give up my Saturday. I think it was Saturday. I don't even remember. Or Wednesday, whatever it was. They gave up their day, their family time, they jumped into cars, they packed in the boxes, and they went, took me to my mom's house, and we packed up my mom's things. And, you know, in, in the dirty drawers, washing baskets, um, it was humbling. I could have said, no, it's okay, I'll do it, it's fine, I'll do it, but I let them in. And I was so blessed by it. You know, that, that, that there were the group of ladies, Michelle, <laughs> so many of you, took my mom's stuff. Now you think of a whole room of stuff. And washed everything. Folded it. Organized it. Ready for me to sort. I couldn't do it. I was a bit of a mess. I just stood there. I mean, how blessed was I? Absolutely amazing that these ladies would do that. Did they know me well? Not very well. No, they didn't, but they gave that up. That, that, that love and that affection for me, it blew me away. Meals, you name it. And so that's what we want to represent because it's this love for one another. Okay, so it says, by this all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. What's the world out there going to see? They're going to see that kind of love. They are going to long for that. That is the witness to draw them in. So we're doing well. We really are doing well with that. And that's my encouragement to some, to some of you, especially the new ladies, jump in. Just do it. Okay. Build those relationships. Have people over. doesn't have to be the fanciest of meals. Okay. Last point, number five. Honor one another above yourself. Ouch. Honor one another. I think what stands out for me is the one another. It's not honor some people, honor just your leaders, honor those who you trust or respect. It's honor one another. We are to honor each other. Some versions will say, outdo one another. 
in honor, giving preference to one another. Prefer. There again, it's that selfless, sacrificial life saying, love, saying, I am not important, but you're important, and I will do this for you. Honor is to show respect and great esteem. So, um, again, I'll go, I'll say to myself, okay, so if it says you are to honor one another, maybe there were people in the church that were dishonoring. So what does dishonor look like? So just, just very briefly, I, I, I'm not going into this deep, but I think we know. And I think it's something that a lot of ladies battle with. Um, and it's our tongue. Our tongues are loose. Sometimes we gossip very quickly, very easily. We justify what we say. Um, we talk to this one about something that happened over there. And I, and I think, you know, sometimes we need the freedom to speak, but it's how we do it. So, for example, I could come to Jamie and say, oh, Jamie, you know, my husband, he's so selfish. He's so selfish. Okay, how? I'm gossiping, for one. I'm, I'm putting a bad light on him, and she's going, oh, yo, her husband, he's such a selfish man. But if I come to her and I say, Jamie, just pray for me. I was sick. I was um, extremely busy at that time, and this was happening, and that was happening, and my dad, and all this stuff. And I just, I just felt I could see my husband was really busy, and I, I kind of really wanted him to come alongside and to help me. You see, it's, it's gonna, this didn't happen. I'm just giving it, giving it as an example. It's how I say it. If I'm going to Jamie, say, pray for me. Pray, because I felt like this in the situation. You know, I felt like he was being selfish. But do, do you get what I mean? So we've got to be really careful. The tongue can be very loose. We can very quickly say, oh, did you hear that? And I think we need to cover one another. Don't cover one another, another's sin. Cover, cover one another's weaknesses. So when you see maybe Barbara's done something and uh, whatever, and someone comes to me, did you hear what Barbara did? Did you hear? Did you, did you see what she did? I'm going to cover her. I'm going to say, I know my friend, and I'm going to cover her. I'm not going to cover her sin. I'm going to cover her. I'm going to be, believe the best in my friend as well because she's, she's my friend. You see, there is a difference. Um, gossip. Sometimes we can be competitive or comparing. I think that's a big one. When we start to compare, these things can bring a dishonor, can break the friendships, break up the relationships, comparing. Insecurities. I'm not as good a cook as you. I'm comparing. It brings a, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's lay those things aside, put those things aside. Um, then in Philippians 2, verse 3, I'm going to, you can put that one up. I'm going to start at the end of that one, which says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So what does this look like? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Lay your life down. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourself. 
not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. He's our ultimate example. It's a hard task to follow. Can we do it in the flesh? I don't believe we can do it in ourselves. We can only do it with the Spirit, with God, knowing who we are in Christ, being rooted and established and grounded in His love. And so, my question is, how are your friendships? Are you building on a mutual friendship, selfish, just clinging to the people who you've got something similar, familiar, or in common with? We can do those things. I don't, have, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I love that there's a mommy's group that's just spontaneously, naturally started, and those mommies come together, and they're a support group, and they're there to encourage one another, and they're there to speak into each other's lives. So in a sense, they are building on a common interest, and that's beautiful, but I'm going to say don't, only stop, don't stop there. Don't just cling to that thing. Remember, the church, the body, has mothers, sisters, daughters, and allow those friendships and relationships to be built. When Brighton was born, and we were in a small church in Mossel Bay, and I was hanging around with the 40-year-olds. Now I'm in my 40s now, and I thought 40 was very old. <laughs> Me and my little baby and the 40-year-olds. And, you know, I could have gone, oh, there's no one my age. Yeah, there's no other mommies with kids. And I could have got up the miff tree and I could have said, which I probably did at times, my friends are in Durban and I want those friends and these people don't care. But I think God was teaching me that those ladies are just as valuable and can speak into my life and I can into their lives just as much. doesn't matter about the age. doesn't matter that we didn't have a lot in common, or that a season of our, of our lives was different. It's okay. And that's why, and, I, and we do, we hear, we hear that a lot. We hear people come and go, mm, no, I, 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 don't, I don't like it there because there's no one with kids my age, and so they go. And that's so sad for me because family, mothers, sisters, daughters, that's all. We need all of you. Um, we don't come together because we have crocheting in common, or we like to go to the beach. Those things are nice, and we will spontaneously get together and do those things, but my friendships are not built on those things. They're built on Christ. They're built, and it's deeper, and I'm committed to that. I've got friends in Mossel Bay as well. Um, six years ago, I think it's six or seven years, and I'm going to call my Three buddies up. Barbara, please come up. Renee and Candace, please come up. Six or so years ago, six years, these two ladies, and there were others, but the others aren't here anymore. Um, packed up their lives, gave up friendships, gave up homes, moved homes, moved their lives sacrificially, laid down their lives, linked arms with us, my armor bearers, <laughs> heart and soul, 
that we came across to George and we started here. And I want to say, and this isn't dishonoring, Barbara is an older lady. She's like my mom. Do I need her? I need her. I need her. I need a mom in my life. I need her to speak truth in my life. I need her to say, stop it. That's nonsense. Or what about this? And I'll run to her about issues with my kids, my dad, and stuff like that. Are we best friends? No, I don't say we best friends, but I love Barbara. And I will plant another church with this team. And I'll take them with, because I know I have them, armor bearers. Got their backs. Beside, I don't know if she'll come. <laughs> Can I go to Barbara and say, Barbara, I'm struggling with such and such. Can you pray for me? Yes, I can. She's older, but that's okay. Candice, I don't know Candice very well, but I do want to say this woman is incredible. Comes to me every now and then, catches me in the mornings at church. How are you? No, not how are you. How are you doing with that situation? I've been thinking about you. I've been wondering, how is it going? It's beautiful. I don't get to speak to Candice a lot. We, have, we are in different phases of our life. She's got the little ones. I've got the bigger ones. I'm working. She's on the farm. But Candice, just coming to me, how are you doing with that situation? It blesses me, Candice. It's beautiful. And that's friendship. Okay. Renee, we go quite a long way back. Okay. Quite a few years back. And there was a season in our life where we would hang out a lot. And I'd go visit her on the farm, and my little boys would come along, and her little, little boys would play. And we would have hours of chatting and discussion and crying and snortentrana and you name it. We had those times. And I still have that. It's a different season of my life. But I know at any time I can go, Renee, Friday night, she comes to me, how are you doing? The tears. She just knows. She just knows to ask those questions. How are you doing? There come the tears, snort and throna, pouring my life out to her, telling, you know, it just blesses me. I don't get to see them lots. But I'm a bearers, heart and soul. I'll go to war with them. I know I have, they have my back. I have their backs. We can plant another church together if God calls. That, is, that to me is friendship. I don't have the other 48-year-old friend here with me. You're all my friends. You see, so let's not go, oh, there's no one my age and no one understands me. We've all, we all been there somehow, somewhere along the line. Thank you, ladies. I do appreciate you guys. And I love you guys, and you are amazing. And that was just a demonstration of friendship, godly friendship, built on God. And, you know, I just want to say there are many of you here, and I can't name you all, but I know for many of you, I can go to you and I can say, pray for this, pray for that. The cracks, look at my cracks, they're there. I'm not waxing them up. They open. You can see it. You can speak into my life. You can rebuke it because 
I need to mature. You need to mature. We're bringing each other into the maturity of Christ. We're reflecting Jesus for the world as well. What are they going to see? That's what they need to see. And so, last scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8. And I just want you to actually close your eyes as I read it. And just as, we, as I read it, just go, Jesus, let's just pray. Jesus, this is the love that you called us to reflect. It's this love, Lord Jesus, that you're asking us to love one another. It's this love, Lord Jesus, that we are to lay down our lives for one another. We're to devote ourselves to one another. We're to be real with one another. We're to cling to one another. We're to reflect you in every way, Lord Jesus. And so it says, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Hard one. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Can the worship team come forward? And let's worship Jesus. Let's spend time with him. And I pray that as we do, that that he would um yeah, that he would touch the things that he wants to touch in your heart. And one thing I do know, one thing I know is that as we are selfless and as we are sincere, as we speak truth and as we cling to one another, it's all the furniture that Lauren was talking about, as we devoted to one another and as we honor one another, that the stuff that needs to go to the rubbish dump dies. It just dies. As you get busy doing those things, they no longer stay alive. They no longer make a noise. <laughs> they no longer bother you and keep you awake at night. So let's get busy doing those things and let the yuck stuff die. In Jesus' name. Move the chairs. Come forward. Let's worship Jesus together. <laughs>